Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome David Mathis to the podcast. David serves as executive editor at Desiring God Ministries, and for years before that, served as personal assistant to Dr. John Piper. David, welcome to Preaching and Preachers. Thank you, Dr. Allen. Very good to be here. David, before we get into uh, the topic of the conversation today, I do want to reflect just for a moment uh, with joy that you grew up in a Southern Baptist home and you now actually are a member of and serve in a Southern Baptist church. And so I I say this jokingly but affectionately, uh, welcome back into the fold. (laughs) Yes, thank you very much. Don't tell anyone in Minnesota that I'm now a Southern Baptist. There's, There's not a lot of Southern Baptists in Minnesota. Actually, I think the Minnesota Wisconsin district of Southern Baptist is the least Southern Baptist per capita of the of the 50 states. <laughs> yeah. So we're well, kind of incognito here. And one other Southern Baptist connection before we, we, we get to the topic today. Uh, your father was a trustee at Midwestern Seminary for 10 years, and the last uh, act of business he voted on before he rotated off our board of trustees was actually casting a vote to elect me president at Midwestern Seminary. So your dad <laughs> was so right. kind to me. I remember that board meeting, then in follow-up conversations we've had the past few years. So it was uh, sweet to get to know him and uh, thank him once again for, <laughs> for his support. I was I was hearing about Midwestern and the good things that were happening and praying for Midwestern for I guess a decade before uh, you got there. So it's very exciting to see what's going on and and how things are uh, emerging. It's very inspiring. Well, that's kind. Thank you for your friendship and even for that that kind word of commendation. Today we want to talk about the preacher and personal spiritual disciplines. And the occasion for this visit is Habits of Grace, a new book by you, David Mathis, subtitled Enjoying Jesus Through the Spiritual Disciplines. David, I haven't known you super close over the years, but have known you at least distantly, and we visited or conversed once or twice a year over the past, say, decade. I've known this to be on your heart, a man who has, uh, as one reflecting the heart of John Piper, passionate for the pursuit of God, and the spiritual discipline certainly being a part of that. And then I was so pleased to see this book come out in recent months where you put on print, uh, in print, in this book, so many different aspects of cultivating the habits of grace and really living a life marked by and and driven by the spiritual disciplines. Now, let me ask you, before we move into the topic, Habits of Grace, this book, tell us what prompted you to actually write the book. Well, it began as a, well, I could begin at several different places. In one sense, it began in teaching Bethlehem College and Seminary, teaching third-year college students the spiritual disciplines year after year. In another sense, it began in a series of articles at Desiring God where I tried to get onto the page some of the things I was finding most fruitful in instructing the college students. But then another way, it goes back to college and the Ministry of Campus Outreach when I was a student at Furman University where one of the the things that I was taught uh, as they were teaching me how to fish, teaching me to fish for myself, not just serving me up fish, is how to study the Bible for myself and what a personal prayer life looks like and the importance of the local church in the life of of a Christian, but even then, it goes all the way back to my my upbringing, my Southern Baptist uh, church at home, and in particular, my father, who modeled this so well. I would get up in the morning, Pop was already up, I would see the light on in the study, I'd go in there, see him reading his Bible, which kind of chokes me up just thinking about the example. I was actually home uh, just last month uh, for a friend's wedding, and I got up early, I was going to go out for a run and beat everybody up, 
<laughs> and the lights on in the study. There's my dad reading his Bible, praying for the family. He's a dentist. He's not a full-time minister. And so from a very early age, he modeled for me the regular intake of God's Word. It was modeled in family prayer. It was modeled in our uh, unflinching, though not legalistic, commitment to be there and be part of the body that uh, that we belong to in Spartanburg, South Carolina. So those things were modeled early on. Those things were fomented and, and made crystal clear in kind of uh, clear instruction through the Ministry of Campus Outreach. And then those have been things I've sought to live here in Minneapolis now for the last 13 years uh, as an adult in teaching college students and doing ministry on the college campus uh, in pastoring at our, our little church plant here, Southern Baptist Church Plant, City Church in Minneapolis. And then those are the things I've, I've sought to, to write, among other things, uh, through my role here at Desiring God. Yeah, I love that anecdote you shared about your father. And I'm a man with, with five young children, and I, I love it when my children catch me reading my Bible or catch me praying. And Karen and I, my wife, we talk about this, how sweet it is when our kids venture down the stairs and into my study or into where she's having her devotional time early in the morning, and, and they catch us doing it, and they see us doing it. And there is a, a lasting imprint, I believe, that, that Lord willing, we are making on their minds and their hearts as they see that. And even hearing your personal testimony uh, encourages me all the more in this regard. Now, when we think about the personal spiritual disciplines, uh, one man that's influenced you and me and so many others that are in their 30s and 40s uh, is our mutual friend Don Whitney. And him mm-hmm. really, I guess now over 20 years ago, writing the book Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. And I'm curious how Don Whitney's work influenced you and influenced this book, Habits of Grace, that you've written. Yeah, I'd, I, it would be hard to overstate the impact of Don Whitney's book, which I believe he wrote while he was a professor at Midwestern. Is that right? That um, is correct. Well, I actually wrote it slightly before coming to Midwestern, okay. but I'm happy to take credit for it. There we go. Very good. Um, I first was came across Don Whitney's book as a junior in college. Uh, a discipler through Campus Outreach gave me the book and our little group of, of three or four of us that he was discipling, and that was our our topic of study for a semester. And so many of the things that I was, was catching, I was seeing modeled, I was hearing spoken about in, in more or less formal, informal ways growing up and in, uh, in the Ministry of Campus Outreach, they were then solidified, made explicit, made clear in Don Whitney's very helpful treatment of the spiritual disciplines. And so as I started teaching the class on spiritual disciplines to college students, uh, that's the text that we used. Year in and year out, we went, we went through the text and so in, in many ways, uh, this book, which Don Whitney was very kind to endorse, uh, grew out of just my own bringing to bear of, of my experiencing, my way of processing the world, my way of expressing it to college students. Uh, th- th- this book really grew out of a study and a, just a steeping in Don Whitney's book for several years. That's tremendous. Well, listen, Habits of Grace, what a great book. And as I read it, I, my mind went back time and time again to Don Whitney's book. And so I think your book and his book, though yours is now really a generation removed since his first issuance of it, complement each other so well. It's such a helpful addition and contribution to the conversation. I, I want really for the bulk of our recording today to think about two topics related to this. And the first is something of an argument or an apology. Uh, why pastors, why preachers should intentionally cultivate habits of grace in their life and in their ministry. And then after that, just to uh, spend a few minutes talking through ways for pastors, for preachers, to actually cultivate the habits for grace in their life. And I want to be careful, and I know this is your heart as well, David, 
when we have these conversations about Bible intake and prayer and worship and, and, and devotion and, and journaling, these different aspects of habits of grace, uh, it's, very, it's very easy for, for people and for pastors especially to feel defeated, to feel like, man, that they're not measuring up. And I love in your book, you're intentional to, to flavor it with grace throughout. And so even as we have this conversation, I want to on the front end say, look, we want to flavor this with grace. Uh, there's not a man on the planet who prays as much probably as he feels like he ought to or could or should. And so if you're a pastor listening to this conversation, know that David and I, we're rooting for you, we are believing in you, and we are speaking as brothers to brothers wanting to encourage you, not to make you, not to beat you up, not to make you feel like you are perennially underachieving or underperforming in your spiritual walk. So having said that, David, give us an apology. Why should pastors be intentional about cultivating uh, these habits of grace in their lives? One thing to say, to take a step back, uh, what I've sought to do in the book is to try to organize the various uh, uh, potentially countless habits of grace that individuals could cultivate and develop in various contexts, countless habits of grace, kind of connect those around three main loci, three main kind of categories for thinking about the means of grace. So I've, I've got a little distinction in my mind that I use in the book in terms of the means of grace are God's ongoing channels, this is at the principal level, God's ongoing channels of His grace for the Christian life. And the reason the pastor would want to access those is the, the ministry that we do is, is all of grace. It's by grace we do it. And our grace tank is going to go empty if we're not regularly availing ourselves of more grace. I need more grace, God. Give me more grace. And amazing thing is God reveals to us in his word, how he loves to supply us with his ongoing grace. And I think that you can helpfully and uh, consistently uh, kind of summarize God's main channels of grace in the Christian life as, here's the way I talk about it, is hearing his voice, having his ear, and belonging to his body. In other words, Bible, prayer, fellowship, community. We Mm. hear his voice in the scriptures. I'm not talking about going out in the woods and hearing your own voice that you're trying to put in a God lisp. I'm talking about hearing God's voice in his word, through the preached word, through the taught word, uh, through the, the biblical gospel, hearing his voice in his revealed word, and then responding back to him in prayer, where there's a dynamic and organic relationship in what we say to him based on what he's saying to us in his word. And then we do that in a context of community. We're not merely individuals who do that in, in the church, we belong to local church, and even are covenantally committed in the local church. So uh, habits of grace, uh, then, in the way I describe it, is developing habits of life that are particular to ourselves. I have my own habits that grow out of my season of life and my location in history and my location uh, regionally and various contexts of my life. I develop my own habits in light of God's timeless principles of his means of grace, uh, his word, prayer, and fellowship. And what I hope, how I hope that encourages pastors, that instead of coming to a long list of spiritual disciplines, say 12 items, 15 items, 20 items, can you even have uh, a list that's comprehensive of all the spiritual disciplines that you could possibly be doing, to say, all right, pastors, there are three chief means of God's grace. <laughs> and I want to encourage you to cultivate all sorts of habits for making sure that your life is saturated in God's Word. That doesn't only mean that we would wake up first thing in the morning and put our nose in the Bible, though that is 
uh, I, I love starting my life that my my day that way, my life that day every uh, that way every day. I would encourage pastors to do the same. But this is far beyond just a, a morningly a morning devotional. This is hearing God's word through conversation with other believers. This is hearing God's word in the preached word. This is hearing God's word read to you, perhaps, as you drive around on a, with an audio Bible, with other Christian teaching, with some kind of podcast. What are we doing to saturate our lives in revealed truth about God? What he's revealed to himself, sometimes directly in his word, sometimes mediated through teachers. How is our life being saturated in his word? What are the life-giving ways he would lead us to? And then with prayer, uh, what are the ways that we're doing personal private prayer uh, in the closet, so to speak, often in response to his word? Uh, what are the ways that we're mixing prayer in with our family, mixing prayer in with the community of saints? Corporate prayer is important. Uh, how about prayer on the go? There's not a prescription for what prayer on the go in life should look like. Those are habits to cultivate as you drive, as you wait in line, as you think through a potential rhythm of asking God for help and then diving into sermon preparation <laughs> and coming back and asking for help at a later time and diving back into in the sermon preparation. So there are different uh, different rhythms and habits that can develop, but I, I hope pastors are helped. And instead of thinking through a long list of items they need to be doing to live a healthy Christian life in view of the spiritual disciplines, they can think of these three main channels. Are you hearing God's voice? Like is his, is his voice saturating your life in various ways and at different points? And then are you responding back to him? Are you voicing your own responses to him in prayer, in a community context, in a personal context? And then all that in the context of the local church are others in our lives, in corporate worship, which I think is the single most important habit of grace, uh, that we have that weekly rhythm of corporate worship, and that we have other believers in our lives that would know us and speak truth to us and be ready to graciously call us out when they see an unhelpful uh, trajectory uh, in our life. So those are some of the things that I want to emphasize with pastors, that it's not mainly coming to it as, what do I need to do to, uh, to maintain a certain quality of spiritual life or health, but, but rather to think, uh, God's revealed to us how he gives more grace. Do you want to receive more grace? Do you want to do the ministry by grace, or do you want to do it in your own strength? Uh, do you want God's help? Because he wants to help you. He wants to empower the ministry of the gospel through the local church. He's ready to bless. He's ready to help. He's ready to extend more grace. And he reveals to us those channels. And so I want to live my life in light of those life-giving channels. And so one way to say it maybe to pastors to kind of to give some distinct reasons, perhaps, uh, talking about the habits of grace or spiritual disciplines, without God's grace, coming to you as a pastor, his ongoing grace, first of all, your soul will shrivel and die. Christianity is not about getting a big deposit of grace and then spending the rest mm, of our lives yes. nibbling off that. Christianity is about God's ongoing grace, feeding us, sustaining us, helping us. And so for us as pastors, uh, the very first thing is, I've got to keep my soul alive. I'm going to be in the ministry. You know, when I get on a plane, I always hear him say, uh, secure your oxygen mask first before mm. helping somebody else. <laughs> They're right. Make sure that you can breathe so that you can help somebody else so you don't pass out while you're trying to help them. And that, that, that there's a similar principle there uh, for pastors, that we, we need to fight to feed our own souls, to maintain spiritual life in us by God's grace so that we can minister to others. 
And if we're not doing so, if we're not feeding on God's grace in our own lives, the ministry becomes, in various degrees, fake, hypocritical, a kind of facade. And none of us want to do that. We're pressed into that at various times. We don't want to cultivate that. We don't want to own that. We don't want to have that be true of us. We want ministry to be real and authentic. We want to be tasting the very food that we're serving up to others for them to taste on. And maybe then a final thing, without God's ongoing grace to you, Pastor, I do believe you'll, you will fa- uh, fail to care well for your people, and you may even lead them into error. Doing the pastoral ministry in a healthy manner for us, for our families, for our congregation, means that we are all beginning uh, with that reservoir of God's grace. We're going there to continue to feed. God is powering us uh, in not just in a mystical way by the help of his Holy Spirit, but he ties the Spirit together with the Word. <laughs> if, if we want the Spirit's power, then we need to fill our minds and fill our mouths with God's Word, because he has promised to bind his Spirit to his Word so that Jesus is exalted. Not just mystical, enigmatic help is given by the Holy Spirit, but that Jesus is exalted by the Spirit's help, and we all want to lead uh, a ministry that is spiritually powerful for helping people and exalting Jesus. David, that is so helpful in the way you framed us. I, I just couldn't put it better myself if I had to. And, uh, and, and I love how you, you, you framed it around, if not these habits of grace, our own soul will shrivel. If not, these habits of grace will become fake and hypocritical ministry. And if not, without these habits of grace, uh, we will fail to care well for our people, for the congregation. And I tell our students here at Midwestern Seminary, look, you know, ministry is a First Timothy 3 reality, that calling, we must be above reproach, and these habits of grace certainly help with that, help to insulate us against uh, scandalous acts that will disqualify us from ministry. But, and more frequently, it's not a scandalous act of sin that leads someone out of the ministry. That happens tragically too often. But more frequently than that, it's just where ministers sort of wither away. They don't feed their own soul, and so their passion leaves, and their, and their, and their impulse for Christ leaves, and their longing to be faithful to the gospel ministry leaves, and they just sort of wither away, and they find themselves one day out of ministry selling insurance or whatever, uh, some other more secular vocation. And so these habits of grace are important all the way around, but not just to maintain okay. ministerial integrity, just to maintain the joy and life of Christ in our rhythm day to day. Now, David, you can point us towards how to cultivate these habits of grace. So, again, pastors listening, man, they're sold. The way you frame this resonates with them. Help us to cultivate these habits of grace day-to-day in our lives. Maybe I'll just toss out a few things that come to my mind on the, on the practical level. It's kind of some, some buckshot for preachers here, for pastors. Uh, one of the first things I want to say is, uh, the habits of grace or the spiritual disciplines are not an all-or-nothing type thing. Here I'm speaking to the, the perfectionist type most, and there's a perfectionist in all of us where it's, man, I want to have this hour-long, ideal, puritanical, quiet time. And th- the realities of life in ministry is just that's not going to be able to happen every day. And pursue that, try to make it happen. But uh, habits, developing these habits of grace are about things that are realistic and life-giving in our particular seasons of life. And so to understand, uh, there may be a season of life in the past or in the future for you where you really do get to have your ideal devotional season every day. But you know what? For, for many of us, that's not going to be the case in every season of life. And so owning that this is not an all-or-nothing thing. Uh, 
may it not be true that there would be nothing. <laughs> God, give us habits of grace that are, that are realistic, that are practical, that meet our season of life, and that feed our soul regularly, like getting us in the Scriptures, getting us in prayer, putting to death that, that inner perfectionist. Maybe another one that would relate to that is uh, habits of grace is, is not about checking boxes. I've, I've done uh, annual Bible reading plans, let's see, for more than a decade now. And especially early on, I almost abandoned these altogether, but I haven't, and I love them, and I feed on them, because I learned to put to death the box checker, <laughs> the mm. box checker in me, and to, to come to the Bible in the morning or whenever and to think, I want to see and enjoy Jesus. I am here to feed on Jesus. I am not here to plow through this predecided plan and check the boxes. I, I've not accomplished what I'm seeking to do in coming to engage the Bible if I just check the boxes that I read through those genealogies in First Chronicles. I, I want to see and meet Jesus. I want to linger here. I want to meditate. And so the, the third one I, I put on the table is meditation. I think it's a lost art in our age. Uh, we are living increasingly fast-paced lives. We fly through the Internet. We go around town as quickly as we can in traffic. We, we live at such a frantic pace. And the Bible talks about this reality called meditation. Meditate on the law of the Lord day and night, which, which is not just quickly reading through it and moving on to the next thing. It's lingering. It's chewing. It's pausing to ponder the significance of the truth and then trying to press that truth on our, on our hearts, on our souls, trying to help ourselves feel the power of the truth uh, that we're reading. And then meditation is such a helpful bridge between wanting to take in God's Word through reading and then reply to Him, respond back to Him in prayer. I, for years, I, I felt this very unnatural transition between doing my Bible reading and then like, all right, stop that. Now I'll turn and go to my prayer lists and start praying. You know, the, without any kind of segue between hearing God's voice in the Word, replying back to Him in prayer. I think meditation is, is that key. That's what it's become for me, that as I read God's Word, I'm looking for a place to camp out, to linger, mm. to see some glimpse of God's goodness and seek to apply that to my heart. I want to feed. I, 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 need to, I don't just need new information, new data each morning. Two plus two equals four. That's true. That doesn't feed my soul. Mere, mere truth is not what I'm on the lookout for. I'm, I'm on the lookout for an engagement of the heart, a feeding of the soul. And that happens for me through pausing to linger in meditation. Not a meditation where I empty my mind, like Eastern secular meditation, but where I fill my mind with God's truth, and then let that lead me into prayer. If you linger long enough over God's truth, press it into the heart, meditate on it, the natural human response is to want to speak back to praise Him for what He's revealing, to confess our sin, to thank Him for His grace, to ask on behalf of ourselves or others that this God who has revealed Himself in such might and power and glory would go on extending grace to, to us and to those whom we love. So meditation is a, a bridge discipline for me from Bible intake into, into prayer, and I encourage pastors along those lines. Maybe one thing to say about prayer list, that comes up a lot. My, my advice is not to just pray lists. Perhaps you can be helped by having various lists so that your your prayer is comprehensive, so that you can tell somebody, I'm praying for you, and you really are uh, praying for them. You know, Whatever that schedule would be, whether it's a daily prayer or a weekly prayer, if you set that up on a, a monthly basis, what that would be. I, I wouldn't 
disparage lists, but I would encourage you to have your prayer time be more than just that, and to have your prayer time be a natural response of your soul in what God is showing you about himself that day through his word, uh, to, to make your prayer grow out of his revelation of himself in his word. Uh, one other thing about, uh, that I talked about Bible memorization, that's a spiritual discipline people talk about and ask about. I, I tried for a long time to go through detailed programs and memorize verses that would have me be ready for some hypothetical future situation. And you, you mean like my of, faith a, of apologetics weak. or what type uh, of yeah, situation? Yeah, it could be apologetics. It could be battling uh, the sin of anger, battling the sin of lust, battling the sin of bitterness, or just memorizing whole chapters of the Bible. This would be good to have kind of stocked up in my mind for the future. And uh, what I discovered over time is, at least for me, and see if this is helpful for other people or not, uh, I am so much more helped when, I, when I'm driven by what I need to feed my soul on today. So I've, I've tried to learn mm-hmm. to bring Scripture memory in as a tool in the hands of meditation. When I come across a text that is that's feeding my soul that I want to consume today, uh, memorization then can serve to have me linger over that text. So I'm not just memorizing it at a rote level, but that I'm engaging it, engaging it with my heart, and I'm memorizing it for my soul for today, not for some future date. Maybe it comes back in the future. Maybe it doesn't. I don't spend a whole lot of time, I don't spend any time doing review just for the sake of review. Uh, I, I go through texts that I want to memorize today to feed me today, and if God grants the grace of keeping that in my memory for the future, great, I'll use it. If he doesn't, it's just a great opportunity to meditate on it again as I, <laughs> as I memorize it again. I mean, a couple more quick things here before, yes. before we're done. Uh, involve others aggressively. The, the, the habits of grace, God's means of grace, come to us in a community. And so I would say as much as we can bring discussion of the Bible into our lives, and it's not just a personal thing together, that prayer together is a part of our lives, not just individual prayer that we'd learn to speak boldly and graciously to one another. As we, as we see clear sins or a pattern of sin emerging in someone else's life, that we'd go and uh, present the, the covering of grace that is needed, that we do so in kindness, that we do so in a deferential way, and be able to draw attention to those things in each other's lives, and then encourage others to do that in our own lives. That's a, I think that's especially important for pastors, because often pastors can feel cut off from that. Or even as, as we as pastors try to make ourselves accessible to members of the congregation. They feel this barrier. Here's this full-time minister, this person who's at this official capacity as a pastor. And so we need to labor to have those kind of people in our lives, fellow pastors or uh, laymen with a lot of of boldness and a lot of confidence to be able to 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 speak into our lives like that. And maybe is there one Yeah, yeah, maybe one final word. Uh, Last thing I'd say is have a plan for the crazy days. The uh, maybe it's just all too clear for me as a father of three, maybe for you as a father of five and seminary president. Uh, it is not easy to keep a nice, pristine schedule every single day. In laws are in town, some emergency happens, there's some late night that was unforeseen. There are going to be some crazy days, and to be able to, to, to come to the Lord and say, uh, Father, I don't have as much time as I'd like this morning but I want to meet with you. I want to live to your glory. I want my soul to be fed on the glories of your Son. Uh, would you grant your grace here in these few minutes? <laughs> and as I come to this paragraph, would you give me a place to meditate and linger? And uh, w- would you forgive my 
uh, brevity of prayer today as I try to make the most of these five or ten minutes uh, that you've given. And then you learn from it and say, how, how could I plan better next time so I have a, a few more minutes, don't need to be as rushed? But to have a plan for the crazy days of how to intake the Bible, how to have discussions with others. If you have a, a Christian spouse, Christian friends, you can make conversation a part of that as you go. I think a plan for the crazy days is really helpful to me so that it's not an all-or-nothing kind of thing in accessing God's grace through habits of grace. David, this is phenomenal. Uh, this conversation has been so helpful. This book is this book is very helpful, and uh, it's helpful, but it's most urgent not because of its helpfulness, but because of the topic itself, and the weighty calling that ministers of the gospel have. And we cannot fulfill those in any faithful way uh, without being men marked by the grace of God and daily recipients of it. David, your friend, and uh, man, your man, I so appreciate. And this book makes me appreciate you all the more. We thank, thank you, you for your work, and thank you for the conversation. And uh, look, I pray God's best on you and your family and all the Lord entrusts to you. Thank you for being with me today on Preaching and Preachers. It was a great joy. Thank you for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, please visit my website, jasonkallen.com.